の日守ると決めた約束はこの Hey everyone, and welcome back to Class 1A, a My Hero Academia podcast presented by Popped Off. As always, I am Andrew Nimskern, aka the Big Business Hero Advert. Alongside me are Fanfic and Apothecary, aka Dylan Beal and James Graham. And have you guys dried your eyes from this episode yet, or is it still just me that still needs to do that? It was, dude. That was rough. That was really rough. I didn't. I didn't expect to wake up to that, and that's what I woke up to. Huh. It was yeah, a rough it was- go. It was pretty yeah. bad, like, uh, during during it, like, it was, like, fine or whatever, but afterwards, like, I was just hanging out, and, like, you know you get that, like, little lump in your throat? I was like, oh, okay, here it is. Yeah, when I was watching, like, the, the second time through and doing the write-up, like, writing this last bold point for the fucking uh, recap, I almost started crying again, even though I knew it was coming. I'm like, god damn, did not expect to get this emotional at an 8 a.m. on a Saturday, but, you know, here we are, and we are here to talk about it. I think it might be um, worse the second time around because you know it's coming and you know what to expect oh, now, it's right? Oh, so much more sad. And even, like, the little moments, like, after everyone's injured and just seeing all those, like, smiles of, like, oh, my God, you're still alive. Oh, all that. So good. Um, Before I get, let's go through rig and roll. We'll yeah. jump into that. A little bit of a hard stop. So if we kind of cut off things for early on, we have some hard stops. So just kind of giving that a heads up right away. But something I do want to call out is one of um, our listeners, his name is Grant. He sent us a huge email last week, and first off, I want to thank him so much for sending that. Um, a lot of really good feedback in there, both positive, positive and critical in there as well. But something that I really brought to our attention and that all three of us are kind of taking to heart is that we all – I want to make it clear that I'm speaking for all three of us to say we all love this show from the bottom of our heart. Like there's a reason we do podcasts on this each and every week. But when saying that, it's super easy to be critical of something you love so much. And I think we've gotten to the point the last couple of weeks where we've been almost a little bit too critical and nitpicky of things because we already know like every single episode is a nine. So to make it to go up to that 10 is a lot for us. So we always kind of nitpick things and all that. So I want to make it clear that we do love this episode and we're all going to be making a point going forward to kind of talk more about what we love about the show. We're still going to have our gripes with it here and there, but I think that's part of the discussion. But I want to apologize to everyone that's been listening that don't like how down we've been on it. That's not how we mean to come off. We just love the show so much that we want it to be a 10 out of 10 every single time. And sometimes there's things that come up. But work on that going forward. Thank you for all the feedback, Grant. And to anyone else that listens want to send us feedback like that or other suggestions, it always means a word to it. We read every single word of it. All three of us did and it meant a lot. So thank you so much for that. And it's something we'll work on going forward. So thank you. But with that, Dylan, I'll hand you off to the rest of the rigmarole so we can get into this episode. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess if you want to, uh, you know, cry with us, with your friends, make sure you tell them about the podcast and leave a five-star review because it really means a lot to us when you do. Yeah, and if you have any suggestions, like uh, like Grant did pretty much, um, or, you know, additional segments that you want us to chuck in, stuff like that, uh, hit us up at, um, you know, on Twitter at popped underscore off or email us like Grant did at uh, contact at poppedoff.com. But with that, let's jump in to episode 14 of season 4, titled Bright Future. The episode starts back towards the end of the overall V100% Infinite Deku fight when they're already in the air. This time around, the fight is just a little bit more different as we get some more Deku thought as he's fighting mid-air. And this time, 
even though he did still punch Overhaul, instead of his body being obliterated as it looked like at the end of the last episode, we now see Deku throwing Overhaul to the ground. After the amazing intro as always, we then cut back to seeing where Aizawa is being held underground um, captive by Chrono. As Chrono is about to kill him because he's starting to figure out that Overhaul's probably been defeated up above, Sun Eater comes in the room with a couple of police to save Aizawa and capture Chrono. Froppy, aka Miss Rivet, is what Sun Eater called in this episode. That was the first time of hearing that. Um, comes in to talk to the Sun Eater and kind of to say Deku, and then the scene's cut off. And we go back, back above ground where we see Deku standing next to Overhaul's beaten form. Aerie's power is starting to get stronger and stronger due to her emotional, due to her emotions of seeing Overhaul defeated. We get a flashback to young Kai and the old Yakuza boss, kind of saying that, like, thank you for standing up to us, but a Yakuza must never raise her hand in retaliation. And as we get cut back from that, we see Overhaul raising his hand one last time to try and crush over, I mean, uh, Deku and Eerie. But as he does so, Eerie's power is so powerful that it automatically reverts Overhaul's evolution and separates the two villains. But even so, Eerie's power continues to grow and grow. And she can't control it and she knows Deku is going to die if she doesn't do anything. She's telling herself to stop. She wants to stop, but she cannot do anything. And Aizawa uses just the last little bit of energy he can to save Deku by stopping Eerie's quirk. After that, we get a montage of all the injured heroes coming out and the capturing of the eight bullets that are still inside. There's a few touching moments, such as Fat Gum and um, Sun Eater seeing each other and just that kind of look that, like, yes, you're all still alive, thank God. We see everyone hovering over Kirishima, who's badly hurt. And everyone seems to be in really bad shape, but Night Eye is by far the worst condition. Deku goes over to Night Eye to talk to him a little bit, telling him that he's going to be fine to live. And it's clear that he's in very bad shape. But Night Eye does tell Deku that he was able to change the future. And that he made his, um, that Deku made Night Eye's wish a reality. We now change to the highway where we see the villains are being moved to a villain hospital, which I thought was kind of cool that there's hero and villain hospitals. And we see that the League of Villains, Dobby, Shigaraki, Spinner, and Mr. Compress are in front of Overhaul's ambulance in a big semi-truck. It seems as if they're going to try to capture Overhaul with Shigaraki making a comment of, in Shogi, all you have to do is capture the king, correct? And we get some fun banter back and forth between all of them, seeing them all together for the first time in a while. And there's kind of a quick fight scene here of Dobby trying to blast a police officer with a pro hero stepping in and stopping them for a second. But after Mr. Compress makes a giant rock in the middle of the street and it kind of throws the police officer up in the air, the pro hero saves those two and Dobby ultimately blasts the pro hero at point blank. And then Mr. Caress captures him with them making an off comment about the hero probably dying. We then see Shigaraki in the League of Villains on overlooking looking Overhaul, who is still strapped down to the bed. It becomes very clear that they are not there to capture Overhaul or save him or kill him. They are mainly there for the bullets and all of the hard work that he has been um, doing these last couple of months. Um, we get a quick conversation there about Shigaraki pretty much turning into the true villain that he should be all along. And we see Mr. Compress taking one of Overhaul's arms and then Shigaraki decaying the other arm pretty much leaving Overhaul powerless and all of his work gone, leaving him a pretty much a crying man as the League of Villains walk away. 
We go back to the hospital and see that Deku is more or less completely fine thanks to Eri's power, except for a burn-like scarring on his right arm. Aizawa comes in the room and gets some, and Aizawa starts to fill Deku in on how everyone is doing. Most have a ton of bruising and scarring, some have broken bones, but they're all going to be fine with very little scarring and no one's going to die, it seems like. Eri is in quarantine due to not having ability to control her power, and Aizawa being the only real way to control her at this point. They go down an elevator after talking about how Deku is really one of the few people that could do that. That his body was constantly being destroyed over and over again and Eri was doing it but he's still able to push through that. But that there was still a chance that he could have been destroyed if um, Eri's power got more powerful than this destructive force of his body. They go to where Sir Knight is. Sir Knight Eye is in his hospital room with all of his agency, All Might, Recovery Girl, and a couple other doctors there. We learned that there's really nothing more that they can do. That um, recovery girl can't do anything the doctors can't do anything and they more than likely won't live until tomorrow all might and deku go in to talk to sir night eye all might apologizing repetitively trying to atone for everything he's done deku telling him to live so night eye is just happy that all might is happy and that he's fighting he's telling all might that there's no sins to atone for and that deku showed him that the future can be changed if there's enough energy going towards a wished for future that it's not just always one person but it was everyone in the morning that work together to overcome and push that future and change it. Miro comes bursting in, badly injured. Miro again is telling Sir Night Eye to live. Sir Night Eye apologized for how much pain he's caused Miro, but Miro has the only thing that he wants to keep becoming stronger and wants to be taught more because he wouldn't have been so strong without Sir Night Eye. Sir Night Eye asks Miro for forgiveness because he originally was only using Miro to be the next recipient for one for all, but he eventually became all of Sir Night Eye's pride. Sir Night Eye uses his quirk one last time on Mario, telling him that he's going to be a finer hero than anyone else, and that is one future that doesn't need to be changed. After telling everyone to smile, and that there is no world without humor and laughter, and having a smile on his face, Sir Night Eye dies. And the episode ends there, with tear-filled eyes, and the entire world of the My Hero Academia fandom. Holy fuck. I didn't, I mean, I, I, I don't even want to talk about anything else until we talk about Sir Night Eye dying. Because that's clearly how this episode, there's going to be repercussions coming up. But did you guys, like, with seeing how badly injured he was last week, did you actually think he was going to die? Did anyone expect him to die this episode? No, no and I, 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 we talked about this, like, I think at the very beginning when we did our predictions. I think, it, like, Andrew and I think James was on board at least with, like, oh, yeah, someone could die or whatever. And I was, like, definitely not on that train, but damn. I, 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 this is like the one way I wish I wasn't right. Cause wow. Like I really did not expect them to, to go this far with it. This is pretty crazy for them. I think this is like, this is dark side of my hero. Like he, I mean, Sir Nina's entire positive like message at the end was like good. And that the future still bright. The, the title is called bright future. That like the future still fine, even with him passing away, but still just to see someone die like that is something we haven't seen before. And, I don't know. I wasn't a huge Sir Night Eye fan towards the first 13 episodes, but just how they did this episode was perfect in every aspect. That whole conversation at the end, after kind of already seeing people being so happy everyone was alive that early in the episode, just got me. The second All Might and Deku started talking to him, I started tearing up and like started having that feeling. And then once I saw that, I'm like, God damn it. He was too strong. They had they had a nerf. They had a nerf. The yeah, they had to nerf him. Yeah, exactly. I have a I have a confession to make, boys. I get a confession. So, 
when I first started, when Night Eye was first introduced, I was like, oh, this guy's really cool. Uh, you know, I'd like to do some, like, read-up on, like, you know, what his deal is and stuff like that. And, of course, with most, like, Wikipedia fandom pages, their status is, like, immediately at the top. So, and, of course, it goes off the manga. So, I got there, and I saw Deceased, and I was like, oh, no. What have I done? You've been so, holding this dark secret. I've, I've known since literally the beginning of the season that Night Eye was going to die, and I just had no idea when it was going to happen, because it's literally as soon as I saw that, I clicked out, and I'm like, all right, all right, I know what's going to happen. It's just, this is just a bad thing, right? That, so That's a classic story, though. It's always like, you know, you click on a wiki page, you start typing in a character's name into Google, and you always get spoiled. And then died, yeah, or like deceased, or like, yeah, yo, yo, yo. There needs to be like, a, like maybe a second page or something like that of like most of these wikis that like hides it. We need a safe search for <laughs> anime. <laughs> No do, death, man. no no storyboard. Just tell me about their quirk and tell me about the past. Like yeah. we need a safe search for anime. No, no. What we really need is we need someone to like bear the burdens. So we need we need someone out there in the trenches reading the manga every week. In the trenches, getting, yeah. get, getting up to speed so that they can carry the burden of the knowledge. So that when we have questions, we go, "Hey, can you please tell us about this?" And they go, "Don't worry, I have you, my child." God, I don't. That's that's a lot to ask of someone. But just yeah, I mean, Sir Not I passing away is definitely something that's going to have yeah. So we definitely see there's a couple repercussions that Mirio was more or less quirkless for the time being. That's something that um, All Might and Aizawa, not All Might, um, Deku and Aizawa's kind of conversation had is that Eerie has no control over her power right now. What is done is done. Is pretty much what they made it did. That doesn't mean it's forever and that she can't eventually learn to control her power. But right now, Sir Night Eye is dead. There's no bringing her back, bringing him back with Eerie's quirk. Mirio being quirkless, there is no way to bring back his quirk right now. He, he that, could everything be. that is. He could just still be quirkless, too. Well, that's what I mean. But, like, right now, that, like, yes, these things are set in stone. That's what that conversation between Deku and Aizawa was about. That what is done is done. For now, nothing can be changed. You need to accept it and go forward towards that future. Which I think was a really good thing because you guys always... I'm not as versed in uh, anime as you guys, but there's always these tropes. Like, yep, Mirio lost his quirk, but they'll find some way to bring it back down the road. Like, maybe in three seasons they will, but, like, right now, there is no possibility. There is no callback. Like, there is no, oh, yeah, let's just put Eerie on top of All Might. I mean, on uh, top of Mirio for five minutes and everything's going to be good. Like, nope. Things are set in stone for what happened in the Stark. I, I have it. I have it. I know. I know what it's going to be. Right. This is the. This is the scene I want to paint. Right. Three seasons. It's just everyone's fighting. Right. And we have a time skip. Right. And then it goes to Mirio. We see him in an iconic uniform, saving someone from a burning building. He's a firefighter. The real heroes. Okay. Yes. I mean, absolutely yes, but. Thinking more about like when the League of Villains were kind of moving on to that whole little arc there, when they were attacking the um, like police escort, I'm like, it's gotta be shitty to be be a police officer in this world. Like, yes, some of you probably have a quirk, but like you're still directly in the line of villains, and like heroes aren't always gonna be there. There was one hero with them, but against four villains, I'm like, like good for you, like still wanting to be a police officer because probably you didn't have a good enough quirk or you're kind of more towards that side, but like. 
Well, there was multiple police officers that I'm pretty sure died in this episode. Well, like, they've are you uh, kidding me? they've they've touched on this before. They touched on this in like the first season, like where like All Might was basically like, "Dude, be a cop." Like they get a bad rap, but you know they're essential, right? We need them, right? So there's still definitely they're like I mean there's still a need for. Them. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying dangerous. it sucks. It like, just yeah yeah. yeah. But you think I, being a danger, uh, it's being a cop dangerous in like our world. Imagine being a, when everyone has flamethrowers shooting at your car you're driving well and then now going back to that like i think that was really it was a really good piece of like world building like i mean i like to praise on i like to praise on the show a lot for this because they do a really really a really good job of it but specifically a villain hospital that's cool that's cool yeah, that's sick that's cool right police escort with a hero that's also smart right like that like because once i saw that someone like overhaul too yeah yeah exactly right and like you know not expecting like a potential ambush or something like that and sand hero seemed pretty dope too snatch he reminded me of a a character from like full metal alchemist that that mustache like it just like it it was so iconic right but yeah no so yeah so like that was a lot of like a lot of like nice stuff like they could really like again addition to the world and stuff right so it was it was really cool and um, like initially when I saw the first quad car like go out in front I thought it was just gonna take the blast and then yeah, I like, thought so too yeah and then sand comes out from it I was like oh this is really cool right so it's really nice to be like to be caught off guard by some of the stuff this I I find this is something the show does really well is yes they stick to a lot of the very like you know typical shonen tropes and stuff like that but they still do stuff like this that you're like always pleasantly surprised that's what I like about like you know that's what my hero does so well. Um, so, is it just me? Sorry, James. Just kind of thinking about the League of Villains. Is it just me, or are they trying to change the tone of the League of Villains this show has gone on? Because we've seen throughout the season that um, Twice and Toga, a little bit more humor with that, a lot more kind of joking, lighthearted. And then we saw this one, they're on top of the um, like semi, all the going back and forth, Dobby Young back Lizard. And he's like, yeah, it's not Lizard, it's Spinner. And all that kind of thing. And he makes the off comment about, is this really what Stain would want? And Shigaraki making the comment about, like, um, Shoji. Shogi. Yeah. Like, yeah. it just seemed a lot more lighthearted, compressed, making light of only having one arm now. And the whole twice Toga uh, call with the League of Villains. Like, it was went from, like, so lighthearted to then Shigaraki being, like, this dark, dark dude standing over Overhaul, like, I like how they're going, but it just feels different and not inconsistent, but like there is like a night and day difference with them of when they are full on villains and when they're not full on villains, they seem like comic relief now. Yeah, I know. I think that's always been really the case. I mean, I mean, maybe I, just I, more apparent. Now. Yeah, I, I think it might be a little bit more apparent, but I mean, even look back to the, um, the, the camp whenever they were at camp, like. There was like pretty like camp, you know. Sorry, sorry for the pun, but pretty campy moments during it. Nice, like like Mister Compress, right? Like, it, like you have those like staple characters that are always like kind of silly, just because like yeah. I don't, know, be- I don't remember laughing out loud at them. Like I laughed out loud this episode at some like the conversations between them, and even when Twice was sitting there making all his little comments like um, ignore me, kill them, like there's all that kind of stuff. There's just things that made me laugh a lot more than normal. Well, it's because we know we know the characters now, though, right? Like, I think I think it's a big contributing factor. That's a good right? point. I mean, right? I think I think it's also the the fact that just like we just got done with like a lot of really like emotional heavy stuff. Not only that's true. not only this episode, but the entire season, and that's really been the dynamic of like the League of Villains. Anyways, that all of them are like kind of weird and like silly for the most part. Besides uh, Chikaraki, like he's always like consistently that like 
super dark person and like like obviously like he's edgy and that's his character but like he he's always that balance in the league of villains um yeah but in, and also i think it's just because we haven't really seen them like in full force for such a long time that's another yeah that's another thing too right and like i mean you gotta think too like um uh, like we're getting to know the characters better but the characters are also like learning to like they know each other more too like you gotta think of the dynamic amongst all of the league of villains right like i mean twice in twice in uh toga seem to get along really really well compress is like you know he's he's compress is over overall positive most of the time anyways it's just he's just with rolling with a bad crowd right um right and then you know you still have the stain fanatic in in spinner right and then and then you know you get you get some nice banter between shigaraki and, and dobby right like i mean these characters have gotten to know each other better to the point where they can kind of do this stuff with each other right so i think that makes makes the conversation all that much more enjoyable to listen to yeah the one thing i really liked about them was mr compress kind of showing off his robot arm which is yeah. sick which is really cool actually yeah it's a nice it's a nice touch it feels fan. like that whole group has kind of grown up a little bit like even though i don't think much time has really passed like they just feel more like a league of villains rather than a group of like ragtag now like with how this operation went and how they even approach the overhaul situation which Dylan you have a comment but I want to talk about how they dealt with overhaul yeah so maybe they got brought together because of the death of one of their their closest friends Character that's true yeah yeah I think they they use that as like a way to develop the characters to like bring them even closer and I really like that I thought that was really good yeah that's a really good point I actually kind of forgot about that already but yeah that's a good one but yeah then you kind of just see yeah they just feel more ruthless like Mr. Compress going down and taking one of Overhaul's arms. Like, that's good. But then Shigaraki, like, yep, we're not here for you. We're here for all your research. We want to take that all your months of hard work away. And then going down and decaying the other arm, pretty much knowing that he all Overhaul wants his power. That's what we kind of learned last one. Even though it was a bit of a change on his personality that we, you and me talked about last week, Dylan. But that last week's Overhaul wanted nothing more than power and money and all that and now he has no quirk all of his money and research is gone so now he has nothing and I, I, again i just love that scene of just seeing that overhaul really is just a normal person and he knew he was defeated and he had nothing he, that is a man sobbing out because he has lost everything in the world he cared about and that is heartbroken that almost makes me feel a little sad for overhaul after everything he's done but it's still such a good setup and kind of showing of how serious the League of Villains are when I never really took them serious before. Yeah, and I think it also is really cool because it sets up, um, it, it sets him up to still be a villain without being broken. Because we talked about this last week that like, how can you have him exist in the world when Overhaul has such a strong power? This is yep. it. This is it. Because now he can take his like managerial skills in the villain world or whatever and run with that and still be a threat. But now you don't have his if, broken. Ability. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like he's going to a psych ward. I feel like this man is broken. It depends. It depends on if they actually find him, right? Because I mean, he's like on like. I mean, they said well, pursue- they're gonna find him. Well, I mean, like it, it depends on kind of what they're gonna do with his character, right? Like, I mean, he might just go to the prison, hang out with Stain and all for one, and just you know, the three of them have a nice little focus group. Um, yeah, they put him in. They put him in the freezer for a bit, and if they yeah, want to use the- him, they can use him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? What they which they, what they're doing with the other two, right? So I mean, yeah. like, it's definitely important. And like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you gotta you still gotta appreciate overhaul. Like, he's still a criminal mastermind, right? 
Yes, he's got. Yes, he had a like an insane power, but the dude's not dumb either, right? And I no. mean, and I mean, and let's be real. All signs pointed to Deku getting his ass kicked. Even Night Eye like saw the future, right? And I think that's something I, we should talk about this episode too. Is how, I and mean, I think that's a big focus. Is Deku literally like twisted the future because of I guess guess what Night Eye was saying basically how much how like confident he was in like what he was doing basically forced the future to go in the direction it was and then everybody else contributing and kind of like like it was almost it was like it reminded me of almost like uh like in Andrew you're not gonna get this reference but very like spirit bomb-esque where every like you know everybody gives like you know this good energy this like you know this this positive energy and it really and it just like forces the future in a direction that it wasn't originally meant to go yeah right yeah. and that's what i think that i was trying to say at the end that like yeah that there was enough energy for a wished for future that the future became reality yeah it's kind of that was kind of summary of like one of the kind of things he was saying towards the end that what he learned and that yeah that it wasn't just one person but it took everyone and we got the flashback to amajiki to kirishima and fatcom to deku to everyone just kind of doing everything throughout the entire arc and that that all led to the future being changed and even eerie making that decision to be that i guess yeah you you can predict the future to a point, but you can't predict how someone reacts for the future or reacts for the situation. And even I think she got a little bit of thing because ultimately Eerie was the one that Deku more or less probably did die. I mean, but Eerie he was going to. Life. It's kind of pretty much what happened. Like Deku yeah. probably in like an instant died multiple times throughout that fight. And that Eerie just kept reversing time more or less is kind of how strong a quirk was that his destructive power was enough to destroy his entire body. But so, I mean, maybe All Might's, I mean, uh, Sir Night Eye's future came true, but just not to the full extent because of the choices that Eerie made, even even though she wasn't able in, in full control. Well, I mean, she really was, like, the big, like, the big turning point for that whole thing, yes. right? Like, I mean, so, yeah, I know, like, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy how, I, I really, like, I think there's gotta be a mad shadow to, like, how they did this, like, how they wrote this and how they presented it, because it is so well done, because... You gotta think about it too. Deku's still gonna do the same thing. Deku was still gonna go fight overall head on. Doesn't matter what was gonna happen. Eerie yeah. was just the it was the flipping factor, right? And Deku being smart enough to recognize how to how to really make that quirk work in his favor. And then he turned into Goku and just flew around, flew around the sky, yeah. and just... that's ridiculous. <laughs> like the animation at the beginning of this episode is goddamn. Just oh, it's phenomenal. Time. It's it's just, like, I it's... mean, it's the same few shots from last time, and yeah. I, I love that they kind of. I love that they did it again. They're like. We know this thirty seconds is so damn good. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna show give it, it to pretty you again. much back to back, and you guys are still gonna eat it up. We'll give you one or two more lines, and that'll be enough, and you guys will never question us. And now, I, a, a quick a quick call back to the last episode because I wasn't on the show last week. Um, I loved. I don't know. I don't know if it was a homage. I don't know if it was a call out. I don't know what it was, but the punching animation that Deku used was almost like a direct. A direct reference to One Punch Man. I don't know if you guys Was picked it? up. I've never watched that. So, like, basically, Saitama's, like, big, like, final movies, multiple consecutive, or, yeah, multiple consecutive punches, and it's literally the animation of, like, a bunch of fists, right? So, I don't know, I don't know if that was, the, like, the studio or the, or the, uh, the artist, like, you know, making that really come to reality, but it was a nice little, nice little homage. I like how much this is, like, how many comparisons you can kind of draw from other shows, to this, I think it, I think it really speaks to how well my my Hero Academia does what they do and why they're so popular. Because somebody yeah. can always relate, right? So, 
I yeah I I don't have too much else to talk about on this episode. I, it's just from beginning to end, like it was perfect. Like last week, I was saying I don't want to have like three or four more slow episodes. First off, it doesn't feel like there's going to be, but if they're all of this quality, I'm okay with the next thirteen seasons being slow. If they're all of this emotional taxing, I don't know how you do it for thirteen straight episodes. But like, if this is the kind of slow episodes we're going to get this season. And this kind of emotion that I'm going to feel, I'm okay. I don't need combat every single time if it makes me cry every single episode. Like I'm, I'm willing to hand <laughs> off that one. So having that mix there and just the amount of emotions that I haven't really felt from my hero in a while. It's been so much action, go, 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 or just kind of not even boredom, but just like, okay, I'm ready for something to happen. The first couple episodes and then action, action, action. Kind of getting that emotional pull was a nice change. I think I think I want a fun episode. I, it's I mean, been, it's of been, course it's I want a fun episode, no, but, but I'm good with this, though. It's been a while. I want an yeah. episode. You mean last week? No, no, no. He's saying, like, he wants, like, he wants, like, a whimsical uh, episode, I, I right? I want like, them to be like, man, that was a really intense fight. We should go to the amusement park. Like, I, like, yeah, so you, like, want a, you want a hardcore filler episode. You want next week to be a hardcore filler. Well, no, it doesn't have to be. I mean, the dorm episode, I guess it was, it, that wasn't filler. It was, like, them exploring, like, Here's like True. our dorms. Like, yeah. here's like the I'm sorry. Stuff. That's what filler means to me still because I'm an anime noob. But like, yes, yeah, just like it doesn't really progress the story. It's still canon, but it just kind of makes everything stand still. Yeah, but like it's well, just a different avenue to explore. You don't yes. have to always yeah. go down like yeah. It's a world building like, episode. A world, a fun world building episode. Get the side quest in there. The side quest. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get the side quest in. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Next week, yeah. So next week's going to be interesting. We'll talk about the preview in just a couple of minutes here. But is there anything else from this episode? Otherwise, I'm just, for all, from here on out, Froppy's now known as Miss Ribbit. I will refer to her as nothing else, and you will accept that. That's a, that's another thing that we need. We need, like, someone who, like, is was, like, born in Japan or whatever that can help help us figure out, like, what that means. Because, like, I'm sure it's, it's obviously a nickname, but I wonder if it, like, rolls off the, She's the frog miss ribbit more. well no but, I, I think but, but like it's weird to just be like oh hey miss ribbit like that's weird like i wonder if there's and like- that might be a japanese thing that's yeah. right actually yeah. what they said is probably just uh translate weird so so two quick things one we did get to see the swordfish in use that's true i don't did. know if you we did oh right? we did we did we get to see the swordfish in use which i thought was real i said i like so watched did the not video. catch that yeah 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 it's how it's how he stops chrono and two i like i Unfortunately, it's a bit of a broader discussion, and I don't know how we're trying. We're trying to keep time like short and everything like that. But Night Eye touched Mirio, and he saw his future, and there was nothing there. No, I think they just didn't want to show it to us. Yeah, yeah. You think? Were, yeah, no, they were just. They just weren't show showing it to us because they're like, it was. It's just a touching moment. Like, like I, I think at least like I don't know if Mirio ever actually gets his power back. So I think that was just kind of his way of like. I love you. I want you to be happy without me. And you're going to be a better hero than ever. Even if that means becoming a police officer or something. Like that's still a hero in Sir Night Eyes thing. And that no matter what your future is, you are going to be fine without me. Is what I took that whole moment of. Like it doesn't matter what we saw on those strips. You are going to be fine. You are going to be a better hero than anyone. Exactly. That's how I took it. Okay. And I, I don't okay. think it's too much about it. Because if I... I spoiled myself a little bit after I saw realized Miro lost his power. Like I don't think Miro gets his power back yet in the manga. Even like we're way behind the manga, and I don't think Miro has his power back yet. So I don't know if it ever happens. 
So, I don't know. It's something. But let's just move into the, yeah, again. Hard, unfortunately, we have more to talk about, but we can talk about the next week, too, if it's a little slower episode or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there we but go. Let's move into the um, Plus Ultra Award and the preview for next week because, I don't know. I don't know how you pick a recipient for this week. But with that, let us move into the Plus Ultra Award officially. <laughs> For those of you that do not know, that is our weekly award where we pick one character, hero, villain, side character, does not matter who they are, each and every episode that went beyond, that went plus ultra, and give them the award for the week. And this week, I'm going to hand it off to James to go first since you missed last week's episode and we didn't get your vote. Cool. So let's see, who do you believe is this week's recipient? So I was a little, I was a little, like, I mean, because of the the episode structure and everything like that, I was like, I don't really know... Really where to go. But I'm going to go with Aizawa. I'm going with Aizawa. Aizawa is the only one that really, like, Deku would be erased without Aizawa. Aizawa just got, got his ass kicked by Chrono for, like, two episodes, pretty much. And he was able to, you know, rein Eerie in and save Deku's ass. Plus, he still was up and at him enough to show Deku around the hospital. Despite the fact Deku was, like totally in tip-top shape, and Aizawa was like, oh, don't worry, I've already checked on everybody, I've already seen everybody. Well, Aizawa wasn't really injured at all. But He just got slowed. He didn't get injured at any point during, like, the whole fighting scene. He was just slowed, so it makes sense that he's up and around. So he still got his ass kicked leading up to the point of being slowed, though. But not to the point of anyone else. Like, it was like a normal fist fight. But uh, but that's the thing, though. Like, Deku was, like, totally fine. He was 100% fine. He's got this overly erased point on his arm but other than that he's just like but Aizawa's already done the rounds like he's already gone around yeah. before Aizawa was up to go so you know what uh, Aizawa's getting it Aizawa's, Aizawa's getting it my week or this week alright Dylan who do you got well I, I think it was really interesting because we've seen someone this week develop a new quirk um, I, I don't think we've really seen that happen too very often and it's a fourth wall breaking quirk the ability to reach out and touch all our hearts Oh my God! Listen to you. So I'm gonna give it to Sir Night Eye because I, I don't know. I thought it was it was it was pretty incredible to take this character who's like pretty stoic, um, and be able to turn them into someone that like is super emotional, and able to kind of like have that ha- have that huge emotional impact when we've only really had him around this season. So the fact yeah. that you yeah. care about this so much, I think it's pretty incredible in his context and how he. Uh, you know, interacts with all the main characters and how much we love him after, you know, 13 episodes. So I'm going to give it to Nayade. I couldn't agree more. Like, I know, James, like, Aizawa, in terms of what he did this episode, I kind of agree. Like, saving Deku was mm. a big thing. But I, I just think what Sir Nayade did mentally to a lot of the, them was big. I think that is going to have a, a big impact. It's going to have a long, yeah, it's going to have a and long lasting impact. going to be coming back in. Mirio is going to have the role. Everyone that had any touch points to him is going to have an emotional change to them going forward, which I think is going to be called on a lot the second half of the season of Deku. Like, oh, I've already overcome all this, this death and all that. Like, this is the first yeah. death close to anyone's character. So not only does that open up and kind of make the real world so much realer for Deku probably going forward, but it's also just incredibly touching. Everything he said there at the end and the emotional impact he had on me and the show, I had I couldn't give it to anyone else. Even though I agree action-wise it wasn't there, but what it did mentally for the show was huge. 
Yeah, so Fine. for so for all our listeners, you have two contrasts. You have the emotional plus ultra, and you have the physical plus ultra. So there you go. I think that speaks to you're much more the muscles of the who needs who show. needs emotion, boys. Oh, who needs it, who needs that stuff? Get it get it out of here. All right, with that, let's jump into the preview real quick. Not too much to really talk about. Next week's episode will be called Smoldering Flames. The flight is over, and they were able to change the future, but it's not all over yet. They still need to deal with the repercussions of everything that happened while the League of Villains are starting to make their moves. Feels like we're going to start getting a lot more of Class A coming up here, seeing a lot more of them in the preview. So it looks like it's going to be interesting. But with that, we won't talk too much about next week's preview. It's not too much to talk about. So I just want to jump right into the outro. And thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Class 1A. Next week we'll be continuing the show as always, but not much else news besides that. Yeah, and let you uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog with the Class 1A podcast. Let them know and hit us up with a five-star review on any podcasting platform. And make sure you check out poppedoff.com and twitter.com slash popped underscore off for all your updates on this podcast and all the other hype content you do. We do. With that, class is dismissed, and we will see you all next week. I'm not a man.